0: Hello and welcome to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're four season ticket holders at Ashton Gate who love the club, the game, and all things Bears. In this week's show, we review the crazy 34 34 draw away at London Irish. Bristol won the first half and comprehensively lost the second. Should we be grateful for the three points or ruin the additional two points that slipped away? We also preview the forthcoming game against Leicester with the help of sports journalist Adam Whitty from BBC Radio Leicester. All this and more on this week's show. I'm Tony and I'm joined by Lee and Pete for a cheeky beer and some rugby banter. Well, what a what an afternoon that was. And I think it's fair to say Pete, um we we might have been in our heads rehearsing this uh, victorious show uh to record tonight our usual Sunday slot, but uh we we've had to have a bit of a rethink with that second half performance by the Bears.
1: Yeah, it was crazy, as you said, Tony. And you know, the last few weeks we've been lucky that we've had Friday games. We've had a you know a couple of days to think things through, reflect on stuff. But mate, my my pulse is still is still high at the moment, um, and I'm still to be honest i'm using this podcast tonight tone to be kind of processing what the hell went on it was a it was back to the kind of roller coaster days that we sort of thought might have been over for for bristol bears but obviously loads of talking points lots of good stuff lots of crazy stuff um so i'm I'm really looking forward to it tony
0: and Lee, of course, it's it's been a double whammy for you today, seeing your beloved Bears let uh, a huge lead slip through their uh, fingers. But of course, West Ham uh, consolidated their uh, place as London's top club by defeating your Spurs 2-1 earlier today. You, 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 you must be on
2: the edge, Lee. Well, I'll be classy enough to say congratulations to you, Tony, and West Ham, and uh, the best in one. And you know, all football aside, that was uh, that was that was what it was. But I was much more jarred off with the the rugby. I'll be honest with you. It was um, it was a shocker. But we'll come back to that now, won't we?
0: It will. So, uh, Pete, let me let me start with you. Going into the game um, with with the injuries that we had off the the back of the Gloucester game, how confident were you that uh, we we could actually get the result?
1: Well, I'm not going to lie, Tony. I was confident, and I was confident, like I was relatively confident with my prediction in last week's pod of a of a bonus point. Well, I did say bonus point, um, but the the win bit didn't quite work. Um, yeah, I mean, I think. When we saw the team, it, it was It was a strong team. We, we lost, I think we lost five players to Gloucester, to injury from the Gloucester game. But we had uh, Steve coming back and we had uh, um, we had a couple of people back and Mitch Eadie coming in, obviously. So, you know, I was still pretty confident. I thought, you know, we're a strong side here. Um, Irish got beaten last week. They got a couple of injuries. Um Jerry, the guy who was on the podcast last week, told us that we should be worried about um, Parton, Tom Parton. And then I saw he was on the bench. So I thought, well, that bodes well. So really, you know, I was I was relatively confident um, uh, that we would have a, a solid victory.
0: And uh, Lee, so many things to talk about, but let's start with maybe the first big incident of the game. And that was that Sam Bedlow tip tackle and yellow card. Um were we lucky to get away with that? Should it have been red, or do you think uh, the referee and TMO pair got that one right?
2: Initially, my thoughts were it, Sam Bello is is gone, is is off. Um, but one, actually, when you can review it back. Um, it was the top of the shoulder, and by the letter of law, I think you know we 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 were very very lucky. Um, But the most important thing is we scored 17 points when Sam Bedlow was on the the sidelines. So, I mean, we didn't do too badly after all, did we?
1: Just think, if he had got a red card, just imagine how many points we would have scored then. (laughs)
0: We might have been clearing away, and I, I mean, it was quite incredible, wasn't it, Pete? That uh, we go down to fourteen men and then uh, score two quite sensational interception tries, and uh, really, these weren't, you know, the gate, The tries we gave away at Gloucester were long, kind of, you know, half passes, uh, trying to force it. But you know th- these were really good interceptions by our players, weren't they?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think there was still quite a lot of work to do with, uh, uh, particularly the first one when Charles kind of did the no look pass over back over his head and Uren picked it up and popped it. Um, I got to say, I, I you know we have to be fair. I think that Irish got over, a bit overexcited about being 14 and they, they were trying to force it. They And they were looking good. They were looking dangerous in the ball in hand. They'd already made that one break, hadn't they, through midfield? Well, the one, the break that, led to Bedloe being uh being carded so I think they fancied it I think they really fancied it but I think we were in terms of our defense in in that period it was brilliant and I think you're right I think it was a it was a, it was as much a measure of our defense and the and quality of Charles and so on to to see the the interception as it was um the the kind of forcing play of Irish but you know it. <laughs> I, you know they, they had started really well i mean it was a, it was it was it was tough on them to be honest but but great finishing and really great finishing got to say
0: uh, and Lee let me come to you um we we've talked about uh uh Nualargo in on the pod you know whether he's quite settled back into uh rugby union um we we heard that you know the coaches wanted to almost recondition him uh both physically and tactically for the
2: game um was this was this the game that he he showed his true potential well i think it was Tony i think that uh- you know, all the concerns that we had previously about him obviously rushing the, the uh, defense up and making mistakes. I think Siva tonight was uh, today was absolutely spot on. Um He timed everything perfectly. And the, the, um, the interaction with Charles um, Piotr was, was immense, wasn't it? And, I think we've got the player now that we hoped we did we would have a few weeks ago. If that makes sense,
0: Pete, t- did you want to come in there? Yeah, I was just saying that it. it when you mentioned the
1: interaction, I, I just rem- reminded me of some of the commentary in the first half where they referred to. Uh, Charles and Siva as, as magicians and I was kind of thinking are they Penn and Teller or are they Siegfried and Roy or was it or was <laughs> it uh, certainly wasn't Paul Daniels and Debbie McGee though was it so uh, it was um, it was it was impressive and and fair play to Siva because I, I bet he's had a he's probably been a chastening few weeks for him he, he, he was thrown in he never got the ball he missed the bath game he comes away plays at sale has a bit of a mare gets taken out of the team again and we were wondering whether that might be it for him that maybe union was a step too far at the highest level but today he was awesome and everything he did was was good i mean that's a real positive that came out of the out of the uh, out of the game today was was his performance i think
0: yeah and then um... We we were purring then, weren't we? Because uh, then we we had Newellargo scored again. Vui went over. Uh, there was that quick tap, wasn't there, from uh, Shidi to to set us up in that position. Thirty-one points to six, twenty-five point lead, heading towards half Um how, how important do you think that Irish score was uh, just just before the break? Massive I think massive and I think
1: it gave them confidence that they already had anyway because I think they still fancied themselves against us and actually when you think about it we just had that Bedloe try disallowed hadn't we as well and you kind of think that was a real double whammy that uh, you know I thought when Bedloe strolled over for that try part of me thought Irish had given up the ghost a little bit then and then they came back so strongly in the end of that second half i think they went into the break thinking you know what boys we could do this we really can do this um so fair play to them but i i just think you know if Bedloe had scored then we would have got the kick I you know i think it, they i i would have it, and a different history may have been written there but yeah. uh-
0: Absolutely. I, I think, you know, you look at that first half, you had the Bedloe yellow card, which was one one turning point, if you like, but uh, ended up a good turning point for us. But that, that that little burst of five minutes where we had a try chalked off and then it was a bit of a soft try, really, isn't it? You've always got to be disappointed when a, a forward picks the ball up from a ruck and then just runs through your defence. Lee, Lee, your thoughts then uh, on that? That that first half and uh, h- how you were at halftime was uh, we were, were you lighting up the cigar
2: and uh, thinking the, the the game was done and dusted. Well, I, I agree with Pete. I think at the end of, at the end of that first half, we were absolutely on top. And that little knock on by uh, Andy Yorin, you know, and all of a sudden Benlev doesn't score. It's not a try, and you know, then they score. We're all back to to square one again. Um, I, I, wasn't, I didn't have the cigar on, no, I didn't, because we knew the strength and the bench of the Irish team. And it was one of those games where I was always thinking, well, we're up, but we need to still maintain control and discipline and everything else that goes with our whole game system. Um, and I was just, I, I still thought we'd carry it through. Admittedly, but obviously the second second half transpired to um to a degree that I didn't think we'd we'd see.
0: Well, I, I've got—I've got to say—I very nearly texted you boys at halftime or put a message on our WhatsApp group, but then I thought, no, I, I don't want to—I don't want to jinx it because if—if you, if you took those two interceptions out of uh, out of the equation, we would have gone in probably 17 seventeen thirteen, uh, uh, and whether that score line flattered us a little bit in that first half because Irish were playing well uh, and we seemed to be conceding again, lots of penalties at the breakdown, holding on, they were getting. Over over the ball really well um and uh yeah did did we take things too easy pete let me let me come to you um we've introduced the new little um what, what's going to be a, a a weekly thing on our facebook page where we're going to pick out three players that we think are going to be key for the match and uh, i did it this week and thought jonah Foa, mitch ed and um Callum Sheedy's performances were were going to be the key. And I'd said that I thought we needed to get at least the majority of the game out of a FOA because we were looking a bit light. Um, Do you think Pat made a tactical mistake there taking John off at halftime? Was it too early? Uh, Bearing in mind that Armstrong's back from a long-term injury uh, and, you know, that... That f- final 40 minutes uh, seemed to be a very long 40 minutes for him. For whatever reason,
1: he was withdrawn at time and tactical or whatever, it clearly was a massive issue. Um, and at the worst, it was a, a tactical error. And at the best, it was like, you know, it was a kind of protecting him for the future error, which is maybe slightly less important because I suppose, you know, Pat would, would say... Everybody's got to play their role in the squad, and you know, every there's no um, there's no passengers, as it were. But it, I, I think it was a huge, huge turning point as well. Uh, and and clearly, no disrespect to Jake, he, he struggled. Um, and it, you know, it was then compounded by them bringing on some fantastic substitutes, Sean O'Brien. Augustine Creevy in the front row. I mean, some serious, uh, some serious rigs. And and it, it kind of amplified that difference. Um, and, and poor old, you know, poor old Jake. I mean, I think, you know, when Jake Walmore came on as well, I know Lee, I'm probably stealing your thunder, Lee, but it was a good gag. You know, Lee texted us, didn't he, on the WhatsApp group and said, you know, it wasn't that long ago that... Um, Pat was saying that the two Jakes would be playing for England. <laughs> and, uh, and at that moment in time, I was thinking that was one of the, one of, one of the mistakes he might have made. Um, so, yeah, I think the AFOA thing, for whatever reason, if it was tactical, then it was a bad, bad error.
0: And uh, Lee, you know, we, we we just looked ragged towards the uh, end of that game. Uh, and again, just staying on the substitutions, uh, Afoa came off at half time, Luatoa on 58 minutes, Charles Piatow on 56 minutes. Now, you've taken three experienced All Blacks that you know, are real leaders on that pitch. Uh, We've drawn them all before the 60-minute mark and then London Irish go and score three tries on 63, 68 and 76 minutes. Um, Do you think Pat was just overconfident that we'd got this in the bag and was thinking
2: about the next game against Leicester Tigers? Tony, I'm going to be honest with you. It's the first time, I think, collectively, I think we've ever criticize Pat but I'm going to do it as as the Bristolian I think it is my turn to to say that I think we brought those guys off early too way too early and I think that we didn't have enough backup we knew the strength and the bench of Irish and I think that was something that we all collectively say about you know Pat collectively says about the learnings and the squad but I think that was definitely a learning from Pat himself. And that ultimately cost us a couple of points at the end of the game, for me anyway. But that's my, my own personal opinion.
0: And I think it's one of the things, Lee, as well. Um, you, you saw Pat's post match interview on BT Sport. <laughs> Um, I think he was questioning whether actually some of the team can play at this top level. Um, that's certainly reading between the lines. What what I thought? Did you did you
2: see it that way as well? Yeah, I did. I did, and I, I think we've. I mean, collectively, I think we know there's a few players there that. I mean, they're they they're great players, but they're maybe not right up to scratch at the top level, and that's where we aspire to be. So. Um, without calling any names out, I think we all know the, the guys we're talking about. Okay, well, let, let, let's, uh, Pete. Let me come to you. Uh, talk
0: about the performances then. Uh, who who you thought sparkled and uh, whose maybe light was diminished somewhat by that eighty minutes?
1: Well, I think we mentioned Seva. I think he had a a, a a great, a good game, no doubt about it. And that was really good to see. I mean, Charles Piertau was peerless. Um, he was literally making Ugo Monya purr, wasn't he, in the commentary. I mean, the noises that were coming out of Ugo Monya's house, Monia's mouth during commentary when Charles got the ball, did make me worry, actually, I've got to say, for his worry for his, his health. But... Um, but I agree. I mean, you know, why why did he come off earlier? But, you know, that was that was a, a mistake. Um, who else? I thought see, I thought Mitch Eady had a really solid game as well. He was he was he was involved a lot. He took he took responsibility for all the restarts. Um he looked like he'd slotted into the system well. He didn't try and do too much. I mean, I was worried that maybe he might have tried to do too much to try and emulate Nathan Hughes, and I was really pleased to see that he was clearly like he, he just did the basics. He stuck to the system, and and his you know the only blot on his copybook was was that yellow card, and um, that that was quite crucial as well. And I think we have to temper the, the 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 praise for him for his overall performance with that yellow card. And I think on first look even tempo thought it was uh, it was nothing in it and uh, but then when tempo had another look and we all saw that <laughs> there was a little bit of uh, there was a little bit of, of uh, naughtiness in the way that he kind of moved his shoulder into the scrum half so um so mitch you know i'd give him i'd give him eight out of ten but that was that was a bit of a mistake and it, and it did cost us um and then other and wait well, and yeah.
0: just when you're talking about tempo for the listeners, yeah. that's, yes. uh, that's Tempest the, the TMO. Uh, Sorry, that, uh, By and large, I thought I thought had a, a good Brilliant. game.
1: Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I, I I get carried away there. Yeah, I thought he was. I thought he was one of. I should have said. I thought the TMO was one of the better performers uh, on, on the on the uh, on the occasion today. Um, so yeah, what have I done there? I've done Siva, I've done Charles. Done Mitch. Um, I mean, I, I, I thought Callum. Oh, by the way, boys, there was it was me, wasn't it, saying last week that Callum Sheedy was definitely going to start at ten this week, and there was a bit of debate about it. Um, so I was quite pleased that that he played right. But you know, but then part of me thinks that when your three big boys go off, uh, like we've discussed, and there then seem to be a bit of disarray in the team, that's when people like callum really have to step up i mean he's part of this what i understand this kind of alignment group isn't it and we certainly were disaligned after they went off so a few questions has got to be asked about what callum was doing in that kind of last 20 when it was all going to pot um and you know what what role he was trying to play in that uh, maybe maybe events just got over overran him but um yeah so i think there's there's three that i've given you um maybe i'll pass it over to you boys now for the others
0: well, well, Lee, anybody you want to comment on before you do, just to give you a bit of thinking time, just some stats. Uh, Nualargo 192 meters plus the two tries, Charles Piatow 160 meters, uh, Dan Thomas topped the tackles with 14 tackles, but Nualargo was second with 12 tackles in a game. I think we've seen, you know, the defensive side of his, his game, uh, really on show. So Lee, any any names you want to mention either uh, from a positive perspective or or maybe from a, a learning perspective?
2: No, I I agree, Tony. I think um, I think Charles Piertau was brilliant again today, and the partnership that he's developed with Siva um, it looked absolutely explosive, and something that we're going to hopefully you know have a lot of pleasure out from the next few. Uh, Few years at least. Um, on the negative side of things, I, I you know I, I really I really don't want to be negative about Bristol at all. But I just felt that we struggled again. One like you said when we took a foe off in the front row. I'm I'm a little bit worried about Jake Armstrong. If I'm worried, um, if I'm honest, I don't know if we've we've really got the kind of Backup in the front row that we really need at this level?
0: Well, I, I think, I mean, that's a great point because you think uh, Shaparo was supposed to come in as the backup and obviously he's injured. We've got Sinclair away. Uh, Laheef was getting more of a look in, wasn't he, at the start of the season, but he's just coming back from a, a, an injury. So probably Jake Armstrong was fifth in the pecking order. Um, at the start of the season, who himself has come back after a long time out. But it it certainly is a weakness for us at the moment.
2: Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. And the the trouble is, at this level, we we need everyone on board, don't we?
0: No, absolutely. Pete, I think you wanted to come in there.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to mention Will Capon, actually. I think um, on a positive note, I thought he had a a pretty solid game. Um, And, you know, again... Yeah, a lot of responsibility. We, we we rate him obviously, and but he kind of knows that Brian Byrne is out for a few weeks now, so it's you know there is a, quite a lot of responsibility on his, on his head. I think, um, so you know that may have been weighing on him, and I thought he reacted well to it uh, today um and i mean there was some point in the first half wasn't it when their bloke their hooker was overthrowing so often that will capon was just like waiting at the the back of our line and uh just shuffling the ball he must have really thought it was uh it had christmas come early so
2: yeah fair I, play to him I, I thought that was a good shape. for i mean the irish i i thought the hooker um is it cornish cornish yeah yeah the I, irish cornish <laughs> the, the irish cornish i thought um Fair play. I mean, it was a hell of a game for him. And I text that earlier on, on on Twitter. So you know, hell of a performance for him to be able to step in. And um but I think I mean he 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 was awful, wasn't he? In you know, that first half. Some of those throws, those over throws. I mean well yeah. you know what
1: happened what I, I made a note of this but it, it, it was almost as if it was a if it was a um a very sly tactic by london irish because he was overthrowing we were getting the ball and then they were turning it over i know <laughs> like holding on to the so then <laughs> so then they were getting a penalty and they're getting further down the pitch i was thinking is this just coincidence or is this some sort of <laughs> some sort of task because they they reckon they had us in the breakdown so they were like yeah let's give it to capon he'll pop it to one of the wingers and they'll they'll hold on and We'll get one of our boys in. I'm sure it was a shortened line out. That's why they stuck their bloomin' schnafflers out on the wing for that very reason. I'm, i like very Declan
2: Kidney, very clever. I think uh, that makes total sense, mate. Total uh, sense.
0: Uh, <laughs> like just 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 a few points from me then. Um obviously Dave Atwood looks like injured in the warm up. Uh, this is starting to get a bit of a regular occurrence, isn't it? Because we we had Byrne last week who uh, certainly didn't look happy in the warm-up and then lasted seven minutes. Uh, Luatoa a couple of weeks before that, a calf injury in the warm-up. So, you know, are there some questions there about, you know, are are we too too fierce in in that that pre-game warm-up? Or if, if this makes sense, are the guys not warmed up enough before we go to the, the warm-up, you know. Um, but, but it, you know, for, for people like Ed Holmes that had to come in when you, you think you're going to be on the bench to all of a sudden starting, um, you know, I, I think it must be quite difficult for any player like that. But I thought, uh, you know, he, he conducted himself uh, really well, some good line-out wins. Um, I wanted to mention as well, um, I'm just surprised that Tom Kessel... Didn't didn't get even uh, you know this is the third game in a row that the scrum half hasn't come on, which when you look back at Pat over the years, usually you know Randall and Uren, it's it's unusual for one of them uh, to, to to complete the whole game. So 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 why is Pat you know not using Kessel at all? Um, and uh, I thought morahan had a. Quiet game offensively, but I thought defensively, uh, again, as he showed at Gloucester, uh really good. Um final point from me, I've got to say their their final try, I was I was disappointed that Piers O'Connor just seemed to just seemed to stop. Um Now, I'm not saying that, you know, if we could have forced them right in the corner for that score. Piers O'Connor wasn't going to stop the try, but he could certainly have stopped the guy coming in another five metres to make the kick easier. But he, he just kind of stopped and, you know, waved his hands around and, you know, whatever sport you play you've got to play to the whistle. Um, and who knows if they'd missed that conversion, it it might well have been our day. But at, at the end of the day, um, it is three points and we do extend our lead at the top of the table. Um, so uh, after 10 games, uh, we sit there on thirty seven points exeter on thirty four quinns on thirty two um and let's talk about some of those uh games from this weekend and let's start with that 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 west country derby at uh, at the swamp um uh in bath on friday night bath sixteen. Gloucester 14 um uh, we recorded our podcast last weekend which of course was Valentine's Day but uh, apart from Valentine's Day I, I doubt I've seen so many red cards um uh, in a long long time um Pete your your thoughts on on that uh, that Bath Gloucester <laughs> game well I'm still getting over that little uh, Valentine's gag you
1: did there it was very clever it's, it's almost as if you wrote that one in advance <laughs>
0: Um, w- would I do such a thing? No.
1: What was the question again?
0: <laughs> <laughs> the, the Bath-Gloucester game, your, your oh, views yeah. on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, Gloucester would be pretty disappointed that they didn't win that, to be honest. I think when they went down to 14 men, they were phenomenal in that that first half, and they, they showed discipline and they showed ambition. I mean, Bath didn't get a look in, did they? Um, and... <sighs> it was quite a compelling game of rugby wasn't it to watch it it was it wasn't pretty at times but it was it was quite interesting in many levels not not least the, the rule book level as well to to go go into it and it was quite amusing hearing the pundits kind of say one thing and then have to change their mind when it was actually sort of shown in uh shown in slow motion but yeah i mean it was i, I mean to be honest i i find this whole headshot thing ridiculous, because we had two headshots Last week, whatever, whatever the, however the headshot is done, whether it's clearing out, or whether it's a forearm smash when you're going into a tackle, I mean, we had two last week in the Six Nations. I mean, it just beggars belief, really, that, that that the players are even putting themselves in the in the area of risk. Um, and they may argue that it was, you know, it was a split second mistiming, timing, but they still seem to go very high on on many things. And I, I guess it's easy for me to say it, not being at the heat of battle and stuff like that. But I just found the whole thing, and then the Leicester game the next, year, the next day. I just found the whole thing really odd that uh this was happening when it, it wasn't anything like ridiculously unusual it was just stu- people doing stupid headshots particularly in the Leicester game the next day
0: um, well let's just, let, let's look at some of those other games as well um, we had uh, Quinns winning 24-12 at home against Sale Quinns very much on the up and Sale um, after beating us seemed to be uh, slipping a little bit Lee can I come to you on the next one which is uh, Exeter losing at home uh, 12 points to 13 against Northampton Saints and you know one Mahusif talking point there the uh the, the the Simmons charge down um how did you view that right decision or were Exeter unlucky
2: no I, I thought it was the right decision absolutely team. I, I mean almost when Simmons was lining that kick up it almost looked looked slightly like Tom Vandell maybe was doing his, you know, when he did that little shift, that little shuffle to, to, uh, to take yourself down the wing. Um, it was a forward movement. And I think we all agreed that actually that was enough that the saints had to, um, you know, we're, we're completely in their their rights to, to charge it down. So sorry. So it was a forward movement, mate
0: and I think uh, to be fair to Rob Baxter he came out didn't he post-match and said straight away uh, no it's, uh, it was the right decision so uh, it, it, it's good to see a DOR um, being absolutely fair and consistent there um, Tigers we just uh, Pete mentioned there 27-8 victory against Wasps uh, but uh, more red cards flying around in that game uh, and then of course Worcester against Newcastle uh, called off because of covid in the newcastle camp uh worcester taking the four points there which leaves the bottom of the table um gloucester still bottom on 11 worcester now up to 15 and bath to 20 points so uh let's move on then and um we have next Saturday the next game uh, Ashton Gate, uh, Bristol Bears against Leicester Tigers. It's a one o'clock kickoff, uh, so uh, make sure you, uh, you you you're up and ready for that. And. Um, Before we talk about how we think the game will go and who will play, uh, we'll listen to Pete's interview with Adam Whitty. Now, Adam is a a sports journalist who uh, is at BBC Radio Leicester and does their Leicester Tigers show. So uh, let's listen to that interview now.
1: So thanks for giving up your time to chat to me tonight, Adam. I really appreciate it. Um, So first things first, I wonder if you could summarise
3: kind of Tigers season so far? Mixed is how I describe it. The table reads played nine, one four, lost five. That's pretty, pretty, pretty much sums up how well the season has gone for them so far. They've shown real signs of recovery after some pretty terrible seasons before this. But they are on what Steve Borthwick will claim, and the players will claim, and I hate to use this word, but they are on a journey, and that means that they are on a in a process that will probably take them two years to get back up to where they would like. Like to be which is a top four top six team they look to me like they are destined for mid-table and they may well end up with played 22-1-11 lost 11 I would suggest they will play brilliantly in some games they will play pretty terribly in others I think on the way to getting better Um, but I think Leicester fans will snap your hand off for a sixth seventh eighth ninth finish this year
1: oh cool well I mean you mentioned Steve Porthwick and obviously he's a He's a relatively new DOR and uh, I suppose one of the issues that Tigers have had in the last few years has been a, a bit of a lack of stability, as it were, in the coaching team. So, I mean, what's the general feeling about how Borthwick has started?
3: Well, that's an interesting question because I think sat here now, once things have calmed down a little bit, you get the sense that actually he started very well. And as I say, you can see the sense that the players are invested in him. They see the long-term plans can be successful Um, even though what he's actually done is started with a very basic game plan they're working in attack you won't see a lot of flowing attacking moves with the backs you will see a lot of kicking um, and quite sort of tough and hefty forward play Um, but there has been a period since he has joined of upheaval as well since he has arrived and he joined the day after five Tigers players left because of a contract dispute there was then a period of about eight or nine weeks leading up to the restart of this season where a, a newly unveiled coaching team was dismantled you saw the attack coach the scrum cats the di- scrum coach the director of rugby and Jordan Murphy going as well Steve Borthwick has become the main man and has become the man with which a lot of power resides actually in a very short period of time but after so much change they have tried so much have the Tigers board and most of it has gone wrong actually over the past few years they have decided that Steve Borthwick is the man that's going to take them forward for the next few years and and judging by what we've seen so far that's not a that's not a stupid move let's put it like that.
1: Well yeah I mean he seems a a, a kind of a shrewd operator Um, I mean has he articulated any sort of vision or blueprint for this kind of resurgence of, of Tigers
3: well, this is the perfect question to ask, really, after this week, because I think what we've seen from Steve Borthwick and I think what fans worry about when people from outside the club and from outside Tigers history, as it were, Steve Borthwick having never played for Tigers, of course, that they will go down the route of, of let's say... Um, a Matt O'Connor, who was the coach before Jordan Murphy was sacked after one game, of pretty much ignoring the academy, of trying to get in players who will offer you quick success. But Steve Borthwick clearly doesn't want to do that. What he wants to do is invest in uh, academy talent. Um, and we've seen a lot of that recently. We've seen the likes of Jack van Portfleet, who's a young scrum half; Freddie Stewart, who I think will be the England fullback in a couple of years; George Martin, who's been called up to the England squad um, for the Six Nations match um, this weekend. At the time, of, uh, which will be at the time of uh, at the time of you putting this out, of course. Um, and what he's also done clearly, and he said this last week, is try to respect. The history and the heritage of the club, which is hefty, gnarly, nasty forward play, as well. That's what he's tried to set off with the tactics of the team, and actually, it's been quite successful. They beat Worcester uh, a couple of weeks ago by playing and by utilizing the driving mall incredibly well. I think you can see a lot more of that from Tigers. For the first year, two perhaps it's going to be pretty practical stuff I would suggest that will get them closer towards mid-table and then you might see a little bit of fluidity uh, a little bit more freedom offered to the backs as then it goes towards three four five years but as I say this is a long-term project for Steve Borthwick and he consistently talks about that he is picking Tigers up really from the bottom and is having to turn around a huge oil tanker to get them back trying to get back up the league
1: yeah I mean it's uh, you mentioned the history of tigers which obviously a lot of rugby fans you know are fully aware of and, and over the years you know have developed some some absolute sort of legends of the game both for Leicester and, and England and and I mean you did mention uh quite a few of the the academy crop um I mean is there a is there a kind of positive feeling around the club do you think about this crop of academy graduates um or or is there a, a you know is there a worry that you can't throw them in too quickly got to get some sort
3: of balance well that's a very very interesting question actually i think what fans want more than anything is for head coaches directors of rugby at leicester tigers to want to put these players in and they've seen that from steve Borthwick already jordan murphy had mixed success at tigers but one thing he did do was emphasize the importance of academy talent Um, and not only do they have a connection to the club and care about the club, but they're probably cheaper as well, which is a very sensible move from Jordan (laughs) Murphy. Interestingly, though, the academy players that came through during his tenure have been sidelined at the moment actually and it's the players that Steve Borthwick has been able to put his uh, his his mark on the likes of Van Portfleet the likes of Stewart, um, of Martin Joe Hayes who's a brilliant uh, tight head prop as well coming in behind Dan Cole will have a huge influence on Tigers in the years to come that's certainly true there is the sense and we're you know I mean literally we're talking about weeks into this in reality um, in, into the hope that has come from these new products but the likes of Van Portfleet and Stewart in particular look like they can be real stars for club and country there is a real hope about those groups coming through and what Steve Balthwick I think will try and do now is focus on the academy talent that he's got as the spine of the team with the likes of Ben Young's George Ford um, Alice Genji. we'll talk on at a moment a quality in the background as well recruit internationally top talent as well while trying to have a, a real spine of academy talent there
1: well, yeah, that's really interesting, and 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 you mentioned uh, Ellis Genge there, uh, a Gertlush Bristolian, yeah. uh, uh, who obviously moved up to to, to Tigers from from Bristol. It didn't work out for him at Bristol. Um, I mean, how's he viewed by the uh, the Tigers faithful?
3: I remember going into the crowd um, the weekend after. Well, it was just over a year ago now, wasn't it? Um, from the uh, infamous sausages incident after the Scotland game in the Six Nations. I was just interested in how people saw him because he is somebody who can be controversial and sometimes says controversial things. It was unequivocal in the crowd. They love Ellis Genge. And I think that's for two reasons, really, actually. I think number one, he's a brilliant, they're seemingly contradictory, actually, these things, I think, but he's a brilliant throwback in some respects, but then he's also the, the future of rugby and what rugby might look like in the future. The interviews with him are honest, they're open. He doesn't conform to the sort of cliches that you'll hear from a lot of sports people at the moment. That's so refreshing to hear. Not exactly what Tigers would like. I've been doing this job now for two and a half years. I've spoken to Ellis Genge once. Um, if you, if I was to compare that to George Ford or Ben Young, who I've spoken to maybe five or six times, he hasn't been put up for interview in pretty much 18 months to two years. So they're worried he's going to say something that he might They might not want him to say but on the other side of that coin is the fact that he speaks i think you know being of course not the typical white privileged rugby player that it rugby has a bit of an image problem for actually um and he speaks so eloquently about that that I think fans of rugby but fans of Tigers will look at that and go that's the future of what rugby can be These, those are the types of people actually that I want playing this game um, the way that he also plays his rugby influence is that he's so aggressive plays his heart on his sleeve is clearly devoted to putting in 100% whenever he plays and that's something that's really special actually and he is it would be uh, felt as a huge loss if Ellis Genge uh, was to go because he offers Tigers so much, both as a personality, I think, but on the field as well.
1: Oh, brilliant! That's really interesting. Uh, well, let's just switch to 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 the match. Um, Tigers are going to visit Ashton Gate on Saturday the twenty seventh. So obviously, it's still a uh, you know it's a fair way ahead. But I mean, how do you see the game potentially panning out on that Saturday, and and do you fancy making some sort of prediction?
3: I will go I will give a prediction at the end. I, I, as somebody who, uh, I suppose, um, has a has a passion for Leicester Tigers, I may not like what I'm about to say, but I've been to Ashton Gate twice, uh, and both times, uh, Bristol have absolutely hammered Tigers. Now, the game that was at the end of the end of the last season, in that sort of post lockdown period, wasn't a huge gauge of where Tigers um, are and where Bristol are. Tigers played a very, very bizarre game plan that day of just wanting to kick it away, focusing on defence, really, in that game. But the the other visit, which was at the end of 2018, was an absolute hammering. Bristol absolutely destroyed Tigers that day. And what I fear is that you could be looking at something similar. If Tigers, to me, will be in that... It wouldn't surprise me if, the, if what you're seeing in the table at the moment in the premiership with four or five teams in those spaces from fourth to ninth will probably stay relatively the same actually um and tigers will be in that chasing pack the key for their season will be beating the teams below them and, beating and competing against the teams that will also be in that middle pack with them. I would suggest Bristol aren't going to be one of those teams. I think they're, they, they Sale and Exeter are going to be at the top of the Premiership and doing very well this season. This will be a test for Tigers about how well they can compete with the team who's going to be up at the top of the table. But t- Tigers will try and constrict Bristol, I think, and try and stop that free-flowing rugby. They will kick a lot and they will try and kick for territory a lot, um, and that will be where the game is won and lost. I fear, though, that considering how Tigers have played against um, Sale and Exeter so far, where they were basically valiant in defeat but outplayed, um, I would suggest that that's probably going to happen again. You won't see a thrashing. Um, I think you will see, probably, if I was going to make a prediction, Bristol by seven ten points i would suggest maybe maybe 20 2013 perhaps would be what, what i would estimate at tigers will put up a brave fight they'll compete heavily it will be a physical bruising encounter but this i think just have the quality and the fact that the team has been together for a few years i think will count a lot more when when tigers to give you an example of how um how fresh this team is. Freddie Stewart, who I mentioned, is a 20-year-old fullback. He is the most experienced back that Tigers are playing regularly at the moment. The rest of them have come this season. So Tigers aren't a team that know each other particularly well. Bristol are. I think that will make the difference.
1: That's interesting. Well, I've made a note to that. For for, for, a...
3: Okay, to Steve right. of
1: review um, <laughs> so look I've got one final question for you maybe a slightly cheeky one but in the context of the of the six nations currently going on at the moment, I mean, who do you think is the best scrum half in England, Ben Youngs or Harry Randall?
3: Uh, well, and you can throw Dan Robson in there as well as from Wasps, Wasp, Wasp fans from across the Leicestershire, Warwickshire border will be screaming um, about his name as well. Ben Youngs is a funny one. And I, and I uh, sometimes he gets criticism from Tigers fans, actually, because what they see, rightly or wrongly, is that sometimes Ben Youngs has put in... The performances for England and hasn't for Tigers. So you get criticism of Ben Young's here um, as well. I think Ben Young's has consistently been a solid performer for england and for tigers what has changed about his game is you don't see those sort of sniping runs that you used to from his game but his consistency and his delivery still remains and the problem is that actually i think if you watch from afar you don't see those little moments of magic that you might get from the likes of harry randall and i he is clearly a favorite of eddie jones and The the fact that you don't see some of the Simmons brothers in the England team is a proof that Eddie Jones likes his favourites and Ben Youngs is clearly one of those. The fact that I don't... I think he is being pushed well enough, but I I think this is probably the first time in quite some time that he is being regularly pushed for that nine slot. And so I think he has probably earned a little bit of credit in the bank for being a consistent performer in that nine role. But I think that the longer it goes on and Ben Youngs isn't getting any younger uh, and has played, uh, whether he will get to the World Cup in 2023 is a very interesting question. I don't know. I don't in answer to your question, I actually probably don't think he is the best scrum half uh, in England, Uh, but I think he is the scrum half that Eddie Jones wants for his team. And those actually can be two very, very different things uh, from what we've seen over the last few years.
1: I think that's a very fair, fair and uh, reasoned answer. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And uh, and thanks again. I really appreciate uh, you giving up your time to talk to us. No, no, I enjoyed
3: it. No, thank you. It's not me asking the question, so I'm happy to jabber.
0: Well Pete, um, that that was great I-, I I mean, I loved listening to Adam there um, and uh, I-, I see you just couldn't resist slipping in that Ben Young's question at the end, could you <laughs>
1: Well, I did it for the wider world of rugby, not just for uh, Bristol fans. But um, you know, I, I I don't think I'm alone uh, in in wondering about the Ben And I thought, well, I've got a Leicester uh, a radio Leicester, um, I've got a radio Leicester bloke in front of me. Let's see what he thinks. And I thought he he gave a very measured and BBC esque answer, didn't he? Which was was very good. You know, he's uh, he he he. he he, he analyzed it well so yeah it was it was great to talk to him and it was nice to he was very eloquent and very and as he said in the interview he's he's very happy to like talk and be asked questions because normally his job is asking asking it the other way um so uh, yeah i mean i i thought it was it was it was really interesting but uh um yeah i mean I, i'm a bit worried about next week now to be honest
0: of course, yeah. Because as we have to, you, you recorded that game, uh, uh, recorded that interview midweek, um, and uh, he, he was looking at uh, the, the Bears winning, maybe in a, a close game. But uh, it does make me wonder whether he will have changed his opinion, having seen uh, the second half performance there. So let, let, let's talk about that, um, Lee. Let me come to you. Uh, obviously disappointed that we we let a five point win slip this weekend um what changes do you think pat will make and i suppose how much flexibility has he got to make changes
2: i'll be honest you, i don't know if we've we've really got that much flexibility at all because obviously atwood being um you know injured again today in the warm-up was a, a massive miss for us i mean like we we are pretty much down to the bare bones as far as i can see um I'm not quite sure really what we can do. Um, I think we'll go we'll, we'll go same again, pretty much. Okay, well,
0: Pete, one th- one one change we know will will happen, and that is um, Callum Sheedy will go back to Wales. So um, I suppose we all assume that. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, will, will come in and fill in at the number ten. But uh, do do you think there's much scope for for Pat to change things around? Well, I mean, two ways of looking at it. He might,
1: after what happened in the second half today, he may use that as motivation for the players that were playing in the second half and say, you know, you you owe, you've got to go back out there now and uh, and and do a better job than you did. Um, I mean, I guess. <sighs> I mean, obviously, John Afo is going to play because that was the reason he got taken off at half time, apparently, uh, so that he could be ready for Leicester. Um, so, but you know, he's now going to be thinking they're going to be. <laughs> working on Jonah Afoa to have more than forty five forty 40 minutes next week. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It depends on uh, how, how bad Atwood's injury was. I mean, if it's a calf, Steve had a calf, he was out for a couple of games. So, you know, I guess we've got to be looking at, uh, at Vui and, and, um, um, home starting. Yeah. Back row. I mean, Mitch Eadie had a good game today. I think, I, I think he's, he's clearly going to start again at, at number eight. Um, Stephen and, and Thomas I mean you know when you start going through the list it's not that bad Charles again Siva starting Moraghan starting um, Lloyd you know back in there he's, he's, he's got some battle-hardened experience now so but I do think the big issue is going to be the is up front is going to be we have got to we have got to find a way to get control over that Tigers uh, Tigers pack which to be fair looked pretty solid <laughs> this weekend I've got to say <laughs>
0: So I mean a, a few things from me um yeah you you're absolutely right Pete about us having to take on that pack um and it's, it's it's what's going to be able to come off the bench. Now, Max Laheef, I think on his social media, said he was quite close to being uh, fit again. Uh, and I, I think if he is, he, he will come in as backup to uh, a FOA. Uh, I'm not sure where we are with Joycey as well. Um, you know, if Atwoods was a precautionary thing, then, you know, hopefully with a bit of rest, he might be back uh, or, or that we get Joycey back. Um Mitch E. D., yes. I think our, our, our options at number eight are, are slightly limited. Um, be interesting to see what the situation is with Henry Purdy um, because that obviously was a head injury assessment. Um, whether, uh, you know, he might be back into contention, but then I'm not quite sure where where he would play, actually. Uh, with, whether he would, uh, he would actually come into the starting 15 with Moraghan and Nualago playing so well. So... I think we can put a decent first 15 out, but it's how much we can have firepower off off the bench uh against Leicester. Um, but let's let's put our money where our mouths are then. Um we looked at the predictions for this game and um do you know I said 23-21, so I, I think I was the closest. Um, but let's let's have a look for this game oh, and one of the things I just wanted to, to say as well about that London Irish game was um, we've played them 25 times in the league and uh, five of those games have been draws so 20% of the games have been drawn which is it was just quite extraordinary really in, in rugby union but uh, Lee let me come to you um, Bristol at home to Leicester Tigers
2: What uh, what score prediction are you going for? Okay, so I mean I think Borfoot's got the Tigers put her in again and they're looking they're looking really good. Um but I'm gonna go for uh obviously a Bristol win. I'm always gonna go for a Bristol win. And I, I think this will be tighter than usually. I I think I'm gonna go for 24-12, Tone.
0: Okay, and uh Pete for you what do you think?
1: Well, my prediction for this game was appalling. Utterly appalling. Although I did at least predict a bonus point in terms of five tries. So I'm 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 going to become a bit more conservative. I I just have a a feeling that Tigers are are on a bit of an upward March. We are on a little bit of a downward one. There's a we're gonna meet somewhere, but I, I still think we'll win. I, I do agree. Uh we have to back the boys. We're we are top of the table. So I'm gonna go for 1713.
0: 13 right, seventeen thirteen. Uh, I'm gonna go for a 28-21 Bristol victory. I think I think it will be quite tight. Now, uh, Miles is working tonight, so that's why he can't be with us. But uh, we have got a message from his WhatsApp group, and um, he's saying, I'm going to put it out there. I think Tigers may achieve a narrow win next weekend. So Miles is going for a Tigers win. So... Let's well,
1: I mean, are we now agreeing
0: that work? Uh,
1: he's not on the pod next wow. week, now, is he? I mean, yeah, no, oh, it's yeah. a disgrace. Are we agreeing?
2: That I mean, maybe yeah. Miles' position on a pod maybe completely
0: what, gone. What we said three, three strikes it, it and you're gone. out. Um, on yeah. behalf of all I'm, the listeners that are tuned in this week, hoping to hear Miles's expert analysis of the game you know i can i can only apologize that you know you had to put up with the you know the three of us um but hopefully he will be back um of course the other thing with these sundays games is he he normally likes 24 hours or so so he can read all the reports so he gets his opinion uh but uh bless miles he's he's doing a great job so uh we we look forward to uh speaking to him next week
1: we haven't yet. We haven't actually corroborated the fact that he is at work, Tony. It was a very late it was a very late message to us, wasn't it? And you would I thought they worked out their rotors months in ahead, So why didn't he tell well, us in the week?
0: So well, I, I there, there we are. Maybe the pressure of having <laughs> to come on and uh, give his thoughts, you know, just a few hours after the end of the game was, was too much. Um, okay. Well, let's, uh, let's move on then. Uh, so three of us going for a, uh, a, a Bristol win and, and Miles going for a Tigers win. Um Let's talk about the Six Nations and we're recording this. Um, it's it's about 8 p.m. on Sunday evening. And uh Lee, I think you have some breaking news.
2: Uh yeah, I do, unfortunately, uh, Tone. Um I have some breaking news in the England camp is that Harry Randall is is picked up an injury. Um I don't know how he's picked up an injury, but Obviously, it's him training because Eddie Jones would never give him a, 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 an actual tryout in the in, in a real game. But um,
1: it's probably the, it's it's probably carrying those massively heavy bags around the training pitch it, and stuff, it isn't it? I'd it
2: imagine. So um, so yeah, so so Mr. Randall, our absolute crowning glory, is uh is probably not going to be uh, making any appearance for England soon. <laughs>
0: Well, I think he's been replaced as well, hasn't he? Someone's been called up from, uh, was it the Shadow Squad? Uh, so fingers crossed that isn't anything too serious. I'm sure more news of that will be by the time the podcast is out, we'll we'll know a bit more. So the conspiracy theorist in, in me, I, I, I wonder how Pat, having seen the, uh, the performances, has said to um, Harry, look, Harry, you know, just take a little tumble down the stairs, say your ankle hurts, and uh, get your back back to Bristol. We could do with you for uh, a couple of extra games um, but uh, yeah hope hopefully that uh, injury isn't anything too serious because that would really add to what's been a, a disappointing Sunday for Bristol. Bears fans. Um, well, one of the things we were talking, we're going to talk about as far as the Six Nations is concerned, uh, Pete, was you know, will Harry Randall get a start? That one's put to bed now. We we know that's not going to be the case. Uh, but uh, I think we can be pretty sure that Sinclair will, will play against Wales. But uh, do you think Malins uh, or Earl will um, get much of a look in, or are they just going to be warming the bench again?
1: I I cannot see. Elliot Daly not being picked again because he had a I just he, he, it, that was the game Italy to to try Malins to to put a proper fullback at fullback and 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 Eddie Jones didn't take it so it would go Against his whole kind of philosophy to not put Elliot Daly. I mean, Elliot Daly scored a try. I mean, obviously his defence was pretty poor. Um, so I, I can't see Malders. I see Malders off the bench, and I see I, I can't see anything but Earl on the bench either. But Sink starting and and fair play to him. He's done he's done well, and he was really good against Italy. I thought.
2: And Lee, you want to make a comment there? I just want to say. I mean, let's just get this absolutely straight out. Eddie James isn't playing anyone from Bristol that, that, that you know that we want to be played I mean we no one knows what this guy's going to do um can we just get all these boys back
0: okay well well that's 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 um the take on England um Callum Sheedy now uh, obviously put in a good performance for that second half against Scotland. Uh, Wales have been uh, exceptionally good playing against 14 men. Um, (laughs) uh, Pete, Callum against England, do you you think he's still going to be on the bench or do you think he's done enough to earn a start?
1: Part of me says he's done enough. I thought he's particularly the halfback pairing, the other guy that came on at Scrum Half last weekend, and Sheedy, made a difference. Um, but Bigger is a big-time player, and I think Pivac will will probably go with Dan Bigger. He's the he's the, the bigger of the two. Um, so I, I think Sheeds will come on again, um, to be honest. Um, so actually, just as a point, I don't know whether it's, Do you think there was an element of Callum Sheedy looking towards the weekend this afternoon, towards the end, wondering whether, I don't know. Is that a harsh thing to say?
0: I, I think that might be a little harsh. I didn't really no, see not. any any pulling out of tackles. You know, he no, took no. that quick quick tap uh, and was happy to run headlong into <laughs> mm. their, their their forwards. So, uh, no, there, there was nothing mm. I detected. Just, just on the Sheedy and, and Wales uh, situation, though, I think it's interesting that uh, Priestland now is uh, leaving Bath and uh, going to play for Cardiff, which will put him very firmly back in contention for that uh, Wales fly half. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, as, as, if Callum's done enough to uh, maintain his place in the squad uh, when we get to um, the, the the summer games, if you like. Did I
2: think the I- prison actually play for Bath then because... I mean, he's he's been Bristol's best player for the last two or three years, hasn't he? Surely. Well, he certainly did the business for them, didn't he? with that, uh, that well.
0: penalty, and what's he? He, he hit twenty five, twenty six penalty uh, kicks in, yeah, in succession now, successfully. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I don't think we can criticise no. him too much, Lee. I, I think going back to Callum
1: Tony, I think I think Wales will still want him because I think he offers something that is a little bit different um, than perhaps you know other other um welsh fly halves do so i i think he's got a you know rightly so has got a long career ahead of him um at wales um just because of you know because of his sort of fairly unassuming but quality game management and the way he brings backs together so you know i i don't know i, I it's hard to tell i think he'll be on the bench as we said but i think he is a long term prospect for wales definitely
0: <laughs> okay Right. Uh, well, you're listening to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Buzzsprout and many more platforms. You can contact us with your comments and ideas by email at bearsbeyondthegate at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're Bears Beyond Gate and on Facebook, you can like and follow our Bears Beyond the Gate page uh, well one other bit of news uh, as far as Bristol's concerned and uh, that's our uh, on loan Argentinian prop who uh, let's face it had a pretty impressive 2022 20, minutes against Gloucester is uh, definitely not going to be staying uh, he signed a contract with Italian team Benetton um, Shaparo is on his way at the end of the season uh, Lee are, are you surprised at that are you are you disappointed at
2: that uh, Surprised and disappointed, team. To be honest, because I, I, I mean, I didn't know what the situation was, but he looks like an absolute animal that would fit into our team seamlessly. Um, and it, I, it was disappointing because I just thought, I, I know it was a short-term uh, loan initially, but I thought it, you know, surely. Like, why wouldn't you want to stay at Bristol and play a trade? Well, certainly he looked very versatile. He could play both
0: sides of the scrum. Couldn't he He's uh, a an international with is it, over 50 caps for Argentina? So I was a little bit disappointed to uh, see that uh, maybe we didn't have first abs, but uh, maybe a long contract in Italy was better than anything that Pat could offer. Um Want to do a, uh, some shout outs now because, uh, we've got some birthdays to, uh, to some people to mention. And, uh, firstly, a 40th birthday for Sam Kinsley. So happy birthday, Sam, uh, uh-huh. regular, re- regular listener to, to the pod. Um, and then, uh, Larry Haskins, who is celebrating his 63rd Birthday, happy birthday to you, Larry! And then go into the younger age group. And I'm not sure um, William is uh, is one of our dedicated podcast listeners, but I know um, his dad is. Uh, and William, happy birthday for your fifth birthday! I thought the uh, picture of you in your Bears kit on uh, Twitter was fantastic. So uh, happy yeah. birthday to you, William! Um, and now, as as people may know, uh, Pete has also launched his own blog, Filthy Rig, and uh, Pete, I'm sure you have got a uh, plenty to write about uh, this weekend. As uh, we we saw quite an incredible game of rugby. So uh, when can we expect the, the Filthy Rig to uh, be in front of our eyes this week? <laughs>
1: Well, wow. yeah, it's a bit of a tiring job. This actually doing two things, but uh, well, I aim—I mean, always kind of aim for Wednesday, Tony, if I can give me a bit of time. Time to think about it. Uh, time to polish the old puns. Although I, I did go a bit over the top with puns this week and uh, uh, well, last week. But when you've got someone called Willie Hines playing for the opposition, I mean, you, you, it's it's rude not to, isn't it? Really. I'm uh, Not sure about this week. i uh, I've got a few ideas. Um, we'll, we'll see what we'll see what comes out, Tone
0: excellent and i'd just like to say there is a shortage of puns in in bristol at the moment pete, pete pete's overusing them so uh, if, you, if if you can recycle reuse or or, or, or reduce uh, then, then that will be good um well, that that's it for this week. Uh, uh, for the neutral, a fantastic game of rugby, 34-34 Bristol and London Irish. For us Bristol Bears fans, not quite uh, such uh, an exciting game because uh, we wanted those five points and to uh, go even further clear at the top of the table. Uh, but that's it from us. Uh, It's Leicester Tigers on Saturday and hopefully we'll be back with another win then. So in the meantime, uh, stay safe and come on, Briz.